and encouragement we are doing a thank offering for all that God is the glory all the honor all the praise um, and all the worship and so we're gonna take a, a thank offering today during during the video somewhere about halfway through um, we're gonna be passing the the baskets again joy basket and that's going to be specifically for the thank offering later on we're gonna pass it again boy it's kind of cool to pass it twice maybe we should do it three times um, but the first time is really, really for the thank offering. And then later on, your normal gift as you respond to what God has done. Uh, so this is a, a chance for us to, again, say, God, thank you for what you've done. And you're going to notice um, right up on the screen a QR code. Some of you know what that is. You know what that means. You can use your phone, capture that QR code, and it will lead you to the place where you can actually give a gift. And you go to the 15-year celebration um, trying to leverage some technology. So if, if you would enjoy this video, be blessed by what God has done, and be assured that he is still doing great things. Happy birthday, 1C. This is Jerry Steger and uh, my bride, Joyce, is... Uh, my videographer. And firstly, I want to let you know that we were at 1C beginning in January of 07, and we uh, left in, in June of 2011. Uh, it was God's plan that Nebraska District would uh, start a mission church in Columbus. Uh, I was commissioned in January of 07. Uh, the church was uh, started, started meeting in April of 07, and our first worship was in January of 2008. There was 155 people in attendance the first Sunday, and the second Sunday was 165. Uh, so what was it like to be a part of the, uh, the 1C birth? Um, 
for nine months and three days, uh, the launch team met in all kinds of different locations. We started in the airport hangar, and, and for each of those Wednesday nights, we, we did prayer, praise, and planning. We always had an empty chair, and we prayed that God would fill that chair with exactly who we needed on the launch team to get going. Some of our favorite memories of our time at 1C was being able to use the Westgate Shopping Center, the old Maurice's, for our worship. Um, it was very casual, it was very open, very welcoming. What we did enjoy doing is spending every time before worship walking around and praying over every single chair. And the prayer was that God would bring just the right people to sit in that chair that day to hear the good news of Jesus. Another huge part of the launch in my heart was Dave Ficken. And he was so huge in helping one see and blessing me. And the friendship has continued all these years. And there's just countless stories that we had. Uh, the blessings, the attacks of, of the enemy. And it was all rich and a, a wonderful experience. We treasure it. Well, and any encouragement that we can leave you from our experience there is that keep the kingdom in mind. It's all about Jesus, sharing Jesus in Columbus. You know, 1C is really there to train, equip, and send you to wherever you may be and wherever you may go. The mission statement is strong and it's such a joy because it's connecting you to Christ, each other, and the community. Pastor Jim talks about the up, in, and out. That's a sound mission statement. So wherever you go, that's God's got a plan for you to be at that place, to be with that person, to share your story. Remember to everyone you meet, show them Jesus and give them heaven. Happy 15th birthday, 1C. My name is Dave Ficken, and I served there at 1C about 13, 14 years ago as a pastor, intern, and vicar, back when 1C was meeting in the storefront. 13, 14 years ago, and the memories are still so rich. I just have to tell you, I was so blessed by my time at 1C. Y'all let this young rookie, wet behind the ears pastor, train and serve and lead in big ways. And I cannot say thank you enough. There's so many memories as I look back. I remember working alongside of Jerry and Joyce Steger, some of my greatest friends and mentors. They have had a profound impact on my life. I remember us worshiping at the fairgrounds. I remember getting to disciple some of your kids. I remember preaching some really bad sermons. Y'all have some patience for a young guy like me. It's right, I say y'all now because I live in Nashville. But not only were there some bad sermons, but hopefully by the grace of God, there was at least one or two good sermons in there. I remember preaching the next morning after being at the game where Nebraska beat Oklahoma before they went to the Big Ten. Go Big Red. Unity. I remember the baptisms. I remember the confirmations that happened because we started the first ever confirmation program at 1C called Game Plan. And now all those kids are grown up, getting married, and I'm just so grateful for how God was using all of us in that time and continues to use you today. I could not have asked for a better place with better people to learn and get my feet wet in ministry. You were God's blessing to me in my life at just the right time.
But before I go, I just want to leave you with one final memory and an encouragement for the future. Uh, I now, in my ministry role, get to come alongside of churches and pastors and train them in leadership, discipleship, and mission. And I just have to tell you that as I look at many churches and many church leaders around the country, one C is a special place. Because one C understands that there is a difference between being a church that meets in a city and a church that is for their city. One C was started to not just be a church that meets in Columbus. One C was always a church for Columbus. It was started to reach people far from Jesus, not just offer Jesus on Sundays. Columbus wasn't just where we met, it's where One C and all of you were sent, and it's where you are sent today. And I invite you, I encourage you, I challenge you, never forget that. Each and every one of you today, you are people of hope sent for Columbus. Continue to be the church that brings Jesus outside the walls. Continue to love your neighbors with the relentless love of Jesus. You are people of hope. Happy birthday, 1C. God's blessings on you. What is up, 1C? Congratulations on 15 years of reaching people with the love of Jesus. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Elliot Lutz, and I was the first pastor at 1C back in 2011. Fast forward a few years later, now I'm married, I've got three beautiful girls, and I'm serving at a church in North Carolina called Fountain of Life in Kernersville. Being a part of a mission congregation was an incredible experience. There was so much excitement for reaching people with the lost, so much opportunity, so much energy that was poured into it, and everything was all exciting and new. But along with that newness, there was also a lot of work that had to be done for learning how to do things and developing new things. Uh, when I came out to 1C, I was coming straight out of some energy. Anytime you want to start something new, it takes more time to figure out how to do the thing than it does to actually do it. And then your first attempts don't always go quite as well as what you're expecting. So there was a lot of learning along the way. But because it was so exciting and new, people were willing to try new things. And we saw people who had never served in leadership before stepping up to take you know, incredible leadership roles in the congregation. Uh, people who had uh, been just kind of in the background at other churches when they came to 1C and they saw the opportunity to develop and do something new, they were excited to, to try to do something that had never been done before. And as a result, we were seeing people who were coming to, to church and coming to faith in Jesus that might have never stepped inside of a church. So it was incredibly exciting, uh, a lot of learning, and really a lot of I have so many incredible memories from my time at 1C. I mean, the most powerful one, of course, for me is that I met my wife on a Sunday morning during one of the 1C services. Uh, but there's just some other experiences that I had and two stories that I really want to share with you that I think really point to the incredible church that 1C is. Uh, 1C always tried to be a church for people who didn't like going to church, trying to reach people that other churches couldn't reach. I remember when we first got out there and getting going, we had to tell people sometimes, hey, you're, you're dressed up a little bit too much. Uh, you need to go home and change into something more casual because we want people to feel comfortable coming really as they are. And it 
it worked. Setting up that environment where people felt welcome in spite of the baggage and the difficulties that they had. Uh, we started seeing groups like AA groups and NA groups that were showing up uh, to be able to hear a word of hope because they knew this was a place where they'd be welcomed, not judged. And Church, it has been awesome to watch all of the growth and the development for 1C over the years. It's so exciting to see this new building that you guys are in and the new opportunities that you have there uh, versus the humble beginnings that we had when we first got started. So my word of encouragement for you is keep on loving those people. Keep on reaching those people that other churches aren't able to reach. Keep opening the doors for people that are closed to others. Keep being that place where we're in the middle of the darkness and the brokenness and the hurt and the addiction and the pain of the world that you can be the light that overcomes the darkness, that you can be that safe sanctuary. You can be that place where people can come and know that they're going to receive welcome and encouragement and love because when they come, they know they're going to find Jesus in you. And when you do, you're going to transform lives for eternity. There's going to be people in heaven forever because of the ministry that you are doing right there in Columbus. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for your future. And I can't wait to hear what God is going to be doing through you in the next 15 years. Well, good morning. Uh, would you please rise for our first song? Um, you, may not, you may notice that uh, we're a little bit light on musicians. Apparently there's a... Uh, um, nationwide church musician strike and we're not actually musicians so that's why you get us um, I kid I'm a kidder here we go
I encourage you all to please stay standing for the scripture reading, which is 1 Chronicles 16, 23 to 31. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is the most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his presence. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let the whole earth tremble before him. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Tell all the nations the Lord reigns. This is the word of the Lord. And we're going to continue now with the sharing of the Apostles' Creed. Um, but as we do this, kids, why don't you come on up, come on over here. We're going to get ready for the kids' message, but let's... Um, so come forward now, if you would, and let's together as the family of God share the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. of the body and of life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, kids, uh, I'm going to go over to where the light is. I think that's a good thing, right? All right, I'm going to show you some things, and they all have something in common. Now, I'm going to ask you, when you see these things, what, what's in common? All right, I'm going to start off with, um, all right, we'll start off with this. Okay, if you can't see it, it's, it's, a, it's a water bottle. Okay, don't, don't, don't give it away yet. Don't, don't, no thumbs down. 
All right, there we go. I mean, you've got to have three, three of these, right? So, so far, there's a theme going on. And you should see me wear these. You, you talk 70s, right? MC Hammer or whoever that guy is, right? And then, uh, let's see, what else do I have? You see what's going on here so far? I'm going to ask you in a second. Just wait. Don't, don't give it away. And then the last one. All right? And you, you, you may not be able to read it. This is an autographed football by Reggie White, number 92. And he was one of the best Packers ever. I really liked him a lot. Um, Pastor Seelan, over, step on here just a second, would you? I need to talk to you for just half a, half a minute. Here. Oh, okay. Here. Excuse me. Yeah, just right about here. Um, listen, I know you're feeling pretty bad about yesterday's loss. <laughs> oh, um... Okay. I know you, and I'm sorry for that, but I heard this rumor that you were feeling so bad that you were thinking about skipping church today to stay home and just, you know, kind of nurse your wounds over this whole thing a little bit. Is that, is that true? I cannot confirm or deny. <sighs> well, it, it, it came into my mind that as I was thinking about this, all of this Packer gear, this is kind of like an idol. And you know what the first commandment says, don't you? I, I'm being put on the spot. I, the, I, maybe we can get some help. Let's go back over here because we have all these children here, all these great brains. So may I ask you, children, boys and girls, do you know what the first commandment says? All right. Let's, let's go big. Do you know what the first commandment says? You'll have no other gods before me. I heard it. I heard it. I heard it all over. You hear that one? Yeah. Yeah? Does that make sense to you? And your point is? My, Ignore the things behind me, please. My point is that maybe this is not your God, that maybe the one true God is the one you should love and worship. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for drawing this to my attention. Would you please leave? Glad to help you out. You know what? It can happen to a lot of us where we put certain things up really high and, and we, I mean, it's not, there's nothing wrong with liking this team or go big red, right? We can go there too. Join my misery sometimes. Um, but sometimes we lift them up so high and we forget about the most important thing. And who's number one? Who should be number one in our life? Yeah, God should be number one in all that we do. And when we worship him, it shows that he's number one. Isn't that great? So let's pray now, and let's just ask God to give us the faith to do that always. So repeat after me. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you love us so much. You gave us your only son. May we keep you number one and worship you with all our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can make your way back.
Amen. Thank you, boys and girls. Well, good morning, church. On stage with me is someone you probably know, my friend and neighbor, Chris Wagner. And Chris is at the helm with some other people on the whole Haiti fundraiser, the packing day. She's in touch with all the right people, and she is here today to give us updates on what's happening. Take it away. Well, first I want to say good morning. And how many of you out here have packed rice packs before? Look at all those hands. If you haven't, I want to see your hand up next year. We are on the, the way to start our planning. To start our planning, we have to start raising some money to pay for these uh, meals. Last year, 2023, Mission of Hope packed over 1,700,000 meals. And we were one of 80 churches, only 80 churches to do that. And we were one of them. That's a pretty big thing. Um, I wanted to just bring up a couple things. We have a fundraiser, our first fundraiser coming up. It's called Have a Heart for Haiti. It's going to be right around Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving. Right around Valentine's Day. Have a heart. Um, we're going to do prime rib and chicken this year. All of the food is donated. So every dime that we bring in for this meal is completely going toward Haiti. Um, again, that's February 9th and 10th at 6 o'clock. We're going to have live music again at both events. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, talking about rice and packing and, and Haiti, we're going to be at a table right outside the, the doors here after church. We're going to be selling box sponsorships. You can buy a box, and we're going to have a display up there showing who's sponsored boxes. We've already sold quite a few in memory of someone for someone's birthday, for anniversaries, um, just different things of sponsorship. You can help us by doing that, or you can come to the steak and chicken feed. It's actually prime rib, um, February 9th and 10th. Question out there after church. We'd love to see you. Bravo. Thank you so much, Chris. Yep. It's a huge event. If you've not done this before, when you're in this sanctuary, rows and rows and rows of tables, and there's all kinds of cute people running around with hairnets on, and we're packing these protein packets, it's, it is a remarkable day. All right, I'm going to quickly click through the balance of the announcements. Next up is the No Regrets Men's Conference. I think this is year two for this conference to be here. The third. New Disciple Launch comes up next Sunday. New Disciple Launch, uh, let me say this. Certainly if you're, if you're fairly new to 1C, this is a great place to come, connect with people, connect with what are we about, what do we believe, how do we do things here. But you know what? This is not just if you're new here. If you've never been to one of these, see if it fits in your calendar. Next Sunday, after the second service, in the multi-purpose room, um, Regina from Regina's Kitchen will be catering a hot roast beef lunch, and it's just, you know, about an hour and a half. It's, it's a really worthwhile time. Let's see, uh, guest, this is just a time to say thank you. If you're attending and you are a guest here for the first time, we are delighted that you are here. Prayer request, you can text your prayer request to 402-242-5051. As you know, we, we take time in our service to take those prayers and, and offer them up during the service. But we're also doing something new. But at 1015 to 1045, kind of over in this direction, we're doing something called people in prayer. So that is an opportunity. If there's something on your heart today that you would like to just sit and share that and have someone pray with you, or you've got someone you want to bring and pray for, this is a wonderful time for God's people, the faith community, to come together and pray. 
And finally, the uh, joy baskets, we'll be passing those during the next song. But this, this slide tells you the, the various ways that uh, you can make this a part of your worship of giving back to God. And that's all I got for now. Thank you. hidden glory in creation now revealed in you our Christ what a beautiful name it is what a beautiful name it is the name of Jesus Christ my King what a beautiful name it is nothing comes to the 
What a powerful name it is. This time in the service is a glorious time on Sundays when we're gathered. This is a time when we come to the Lord's table, and here we will find strength and refreshment, oftentimes for a heart and a soul that is sorely pressed. And coming to this table is where we find forgiveness of sin, because this is what God has done for us. We will be nourished, we will be refreshed, we will be restored. This is food for the soul. And so I welcome you to the table this morning, but before we come, we take a moment to confess our sins together before the Lord. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, that we may do your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. It is my privilege to announce to you that if this is your confession this morning, please know your sins are forgiven. You've heard it said many times up here, and you've probably read it many times in the scriptures. Forgiven means removed as far as the east is from the west. Remembered no more. This is what the Lord has done for us. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner also after supper he took the cup and he gave it to his disciples and said, Drink of it all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen.
Now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and preserve you and keep you steadfast in the one true faith. Depart in his peace and his wonderful love. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Lord, please be with our family as we navigate a difficult time in our business life. Prayers for a successful shoulder surgery for Ken on Tuesday. Prayers of peace and comfort for the Schatz family as, they, as God called Greg's family their home this past week. Peace and comfort for the Schatz family as they mourn the loss of their grandma. Help me to stay focused on you, Lord, and to glorify you, mending for broken families. Prayers for Uncle Billy, praying for the doctors to be able to remove the blood clot in his leg and that everything will turn out okay. Also praying that everyone has safe travels to Lincoln to meet him there. A prayer for Barb Vidal. She is in Columbus Hospital with badly bruised ribs. For my friend Stephanie, that she finds some relief. Prayer for our, pray for our military and for Alex and the Navy. Keep him safe and in your loving arms. Prayers of thanksgiving for a safe and successful medical mission trip to Nicaragua. Hi, I would like to pray for my family and friends and for a better world. Lord, I pray you give me guidance on the new job opportunity. Help guide me in your will and for my family and I start this new opportunity. Lord, we offer up these prayers to you, the ones that are spoken and unspoken. Help us to seek the comfort we need from you, Lord. You are the healer and comforter of our hearts. We know that you give and take away. And even when we don't understand why it is you take away, it is your divine plan. This is when we need to rely on you the most. For even in the midst of our sorrows and pain, it is you that always is there. 2 Corinthians verse 1, 3 and 4 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So my fellow brothers and sisters, remember to give the lost and hurting your compassion for no one should bear this pain alone. For Jesus Christ died on a cross to take in the sin of the world, and who was there to comfort him? The pain he endured has no comparison to ours, and yet he never wavered from God's plan. Let our faith and trust emulate with the love and compassion Christ gives us daily. Please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
right, week number three of the series entitled Fact Check. Uh, week number one, we looked at the fact that the Bible, the scriptures, inspired by God, given to people like you and me, so we can know the truth, right? And we live in a world that wants to tell us there's all these different kinds of truths and it's relativism and all that. No, there is a truth and it's found in the Bible and he gave it to you and me so we get to know him. Last week, uh, we had the weather, right? So maybe you got to watch it online. Just so you know, if we do have bad weather, you can go online, and go to our website, and you can catch it and uh, stay, stay with us. Uh, but we looked at fact-check your faith and um, the importance of that. And um, now we're going to be going into this idea of fact-check your worship. And that might seem like a kind of a stretch, but it's not. Because when we look at Hebrews 11, when we look at the list of people who God had used, a uh, very unique list. In fact, Hebrew 11, Hebrews 11 shows us a group of people who are radical, risk-taking, and who demonstrate sacrificial love. And I, I'm not going to go through all of them because we're going to go through some of them in the next couple weeks. But Abraham, oh my goodness. All right. Or how, or how about Moses and what he did? Or how God is, and again, this is just a partial list. There were people who, because of their relationship with their Heavenly Father, were radical, risk-taking, and demonstrated sacrificial love. Now, I find it interesting that as we start off and we start looking at the people, the first one that's identified in Hebrews 11 is Abel. Now, you could say it's a chronological thing, right? Because, yeah, Adam and Eve, then Cain and Abel, and then you go on forward. But I think there's something else there to get our attention about something that is absolutely vital. And it's all about worship. It's all about identifying God and keeping him number one. And, yes, we can have fun and joke about, like, the Green Bay Packers, but I'm going to tell you, I, like you, sometimes we let other things kind of come in our face and get our attention and we are distracted from the number one. And we start getting kind of off the beaten path and things start happening. Well, in my studies, um, I really ran into it last week, but more so this week, there's a phrase I bumped into. And it's, the phrase is God's divine persuasion. And I would like for you to picture, if you would, the God of the universe who existed before this world even began. And when he was now ready to create the heavens and the earth, when he said, let there be, and he formed and fashioned this world, did you know that every time he created, every time he formed and fashioned, he was wanting to persuade humanity to know that he is all-powerful, to know that he is, he is God, and that he loves us. And I want us to start thinking that when we see the sunrise and the sunset, that maybe, just maybe, God is hoping people like you and me would stop and pause and say, wow, God, you are awesome. God, you are incredible. And just so you know, that's worship, isn't it? When God does his thing, and we stop, and we go like this. I had a couple things, like a birth of a child. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Or some would say, I can't even say these words. Freshly fallen snow. I'm choking as I say it. I'm not a snow fan. 
But yeah, though our sins be as red as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And what a beautiful reminder of what God does. Or as we just celebrated not long ago, Christmas. And we can see that beautiful uh, persuasion of God in a little town of Bethlehem, in the birth of this little baby who ultimately then grew up, lived a perfect life, and then, and then he turned the corner, he went into Jerusalem, and he knew it was ahead of him. He knew that he was going to be betrayed, arrested, beaten, placed on a cross. And so you could think about that manger, and it's a beautiful scene, but that's also God's divine persuasion for people like you and me. If you wonder, does God really care? If you wonder, how do I get through this life? The cross is a reminder that he loves you that much, that he is willing to do anything and everything. So we're going to look at that quickly today. We're going to look at this idea that God is just constantly wanting to persuade people like you and me and all of humanity to look to him and say, God, you are awesome. That's what he wants. I found a little video, three minutes long, that I think does a great job of showing that condition and response. So let's watch it. Sir Isaac Newton's famous third law of motion states that for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. What this means in physics is that any time two objects interact with each other, there are always two opposite forces at play. If person A pushes against a wall, let's say, the wall is pushing back on the person with an equal force in the opposite direction. When a gun fires a bullet, the force pushing backwards makes the gun recoil, and so on. Newton's third law is sometimes called the action-reaction law, and it actually provides us with an unexpected image for one of the most central acts of the Christian life, the act of worship. Of course, most Christians would agree that worship is right at the heart of a thriving life with God, but what's harder to get agreement on is what exactly worship is. If you were to ask a dozen Christians to define it, you'd probably get a dozen different answers. Some would talk about singing songs to Jesus. Some would talk about taking part in the traditional ceremonies of the church, like communion and baptism. Others would talk about their quiet times of prayer at home. So which of these definitions is right? Well, maybe it would help if we looked at a couple of key passages in the Bible where people actually are worshipping God to see if we can't detect a pattern. One of the central stories in the Bible, for instance, is about how God rescued the people of Israel when they were slaves in Egypt. Right at the start of the story, it says that God heard the people groaning in slavery, so he sends Moses to tell them that he's going to help. And it says that when the people heard that the Lord was going to help them, they bowed their heads and worshipped. God acted, and the people responded. Well, the same pattern is there in the New Testament. In the Gospel of Luke, it tells how Peter met Jesus for the first time. Peter's been fishing all night but caught nothing. Along comes Jesus, who tells Peter to cast his net into the deep water. And when he does, the catch of fish is so huge that they need another boat to help them bring it in. And then it says, when Peter sees it, he falls on his knees and says, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Or how about this one? After Jesus' resurrection, doubting Thomas is, well, doubting. The resurrected Jesus suddenly appears to him and tells him to put his fingers in his wounds. And it's when Thomas sees the nail holes of the cross, that's when he says, my Lord and my God. This revelation and response pattern is pretty consistent in the Bible. Worship generally starts with God showing himself in some particular way, and when the people see God at work, they respond accordingly. Worship, you might say, is sort of like the action-reaction law of the Christian life, where every action of God, 
saving, healing, convicting, helping, and so on, can elicit and does elicit a reaction from us. It's not an equal reaction, of course, but when it's the appropriate reaction for whatever the particular way is that God has revealed himself, that's when we're worshiping. This revelation can happen in all sorts of ways. Hearing the story of Jesus and realizing how much God loves us. Reading something in the Bible that puts its finger on something that we're going through right now. Working among the poor and the marginalized and discovering the presence of Jesus there. And worship is our appropriate reactions to these particular actions of God, whatever they may be. It may be raising our hands and singing our hearts out. It may be sitting in overwhelmed silence. It may even mean a drastic overhaul of our lives. But however it happens, in that response, we'll be discovering what the Bible meant when it tells us to worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So it's really in the heart of God. He wants to be known. And he does it through this little phrase I'll keep saying, God's divine persuasion. His heart beats for you and me. And he's going to keep on doing this. He has, is, and will continue to be trying to persuade people like you and me to have faith in him, to trust him, and then ultimately respond with worship. So let me do a quick flyover. All right, Genesis chapter 1 is the beginning of everything. He speaks into being everything. Trees and birds and lakes. And I mean, all this stuff. He said, let there be, and there was. Genesis chapter 2 is the beginning of the human race. God had this idea, let us make man in our image. So he did it. Wow. And then we get to Genesis 3, and it's the beginning of sin. And then we look in Genesis 3.15. It's the first gospel promise. God responds to sinfulness. He responds to what Adam and Eve did. And he could have just said, you know, I told you you're going to die, and, 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 I, and I meant it. I don't want anything to do with you. But no, he gives the promise. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And then we get to Genesis chapter 4. It is the answer to the promise. It is this golden thread of hope. And even though sin is evident, God's promise is going to keep going and flowing all the way through the history of mankind. Even to today, his promise and good news. But see, Genesis 4 is kind of this combination. It's also the beginning of the fallout from sin. That black thread of sin. Yes, we saw it with Adam and Eve, their rebellion and the consequence. But now we get to the next generation, and it's Cain and Abel. And, uh, well, let's look at Genesis 4, 1 to 2, and it kind of tells us. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. So remember, God told Adam and Eve, remember the first gospel promise, I will put enmity, I'm going to do something about it, and, he's, and what, who I'm going to send is going to crush Satan. Do you wonder what was going through Eve's mind when she gave birth? Do you think maybe she's thinking, oh, here's the fulfillment of it. 
The promise is now right here. And then having all the hopes and the dreams of that promise being fulfilled through Cain and then all of a sudden through Abel too. It didn't really happen that way. We're going to find out soon that this is not the promise itself, Cain and Abel, but it's pointing to the promise that will unfold over time. So what did they learn? See, in the garden, after they had sinned, they learned three very important things about the relationship between God and humanity. Number one, I and you, we need a covering for sin. My sin, your sin. Number two, God will not accept our own works. In other words, Adam and Eve's response was to kind of make fig leaf clothing. And that wasn't good enough for God. That wasn't going to cover them. And so number three, the covering for sin comes only through the death of an innocent substitute. Blood must be shed. Now if you, I don't know about you, I, I, I look at the scriptures, I love what I read. But I do wonder what else that isn't written down took place. And I'm going to tell you it is natural to think that Adam and Eve, the parents, taught Cain and Abel, their kids, their boys, they taught them. Taught them all sorts of things. And I wonder if God taught them these principles. That Cain, Abel, you, you can't do it yourself. There needs to be a covering. There needs to be a sacrifice. There needs to be something more. You see, the worship that God is going to accept is the worship that God prescribes. So this idea of you or me and what we do really matters, it really doesn't. It, what matters is what God does, his sacrificial love for humanity. So the promise of Genesis 3.15 and the fulfillment of it, especially right there on the cross, that is God's divine persuasion. It's his way of saying to people like you and me, I love you. I love you. But I'm not sure that Cain and Abel learned. And I'll go back to when I was a teenager. I didn't listen to my parents either. I did my own thing, went my own way, thought I knew better. And it wasn't good. It wasn't godly. So we look at Genesis 4, 3, and 4. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And then verse 4. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And I don't know if you can just picture this, right? When Abel brings his offering. God is, he's kind of smiling. He says, he gets it. He gets it. And then when he sees what Cain did, it saddened him. It grieves him. Remember the principle, the worship God accepts is the worship that God prescribes. You know, this idea of uh, worship being radical, risk-taking, and sacrificial. Cain, not so much. Abel, 
Yes, the firstborn of this flock. And the fat portions, which, I mean, this is like the cream of the crop. This is really sacrificially giving. This is not just giving the minimum. I'll never forget, um, I went to a Lutheran grade school, and they had this requirement that in order to get tuition off, you had to attend church. And I don't know if it was like 50% or something like that. I don't know the number. But my family played the how little can we do and still get the money off of tuition. Wow. Who would ever think like that? Well, that's humanity. And I wonder if maybe that's what was going through Cain's mind. If he was taught by his parents, give it all. Trust God, worship him with all of your life, and he gives of the grain offering, which is not a bad offering. Please don't get me wrong with that. That's, it's a good offering. But how radical, how risk-taking, and how sacrificially loving is it? And I think that's why God had no regard to that. Cain wasn't all in. I want to share with you Psalm 95, just a portion of it. And I'm, we don't know exactly who wrote this psalm. A lot of commentators say it's David. Remember, David is known as a man after God's own heart. And a man after God's own heart understands what is important to God, understands and cares about what's important to God. And so he kind of lays it out in the first couple verses of Psalm 95, what I believe God wants from people like you and me today. If we are worshipers, if we are convinced and persuaded that God has loved us and he keeps on loving us, what should the response be? So let me share with you. Psalm 95. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. And I think there's three things that just jump off these two verses. The first one is it's a call to come together. Us. Now, can you worship by yourself? Oh, yeah. I mean, my dad would talk about that. He would say, boy, there's nothing like sitting out in a boat all by himself. He says, I worship God really well. That's good. I think that's a good thing to do. But yet the scriptures call us to come together. The word us stands there. We need this moment together. I am blessed when I see you worship. Let us come together. The second one is a call to be God-centered. Sing. Sing the praises of the Green Bay Packers. No. Sing the praises of whatever you want. No. And I'm going to say this, this might sting a little bit, so please understand this is for Jim Thielen too. I believe that God wants to be in the center of everything. Center of your life individually, center of your marriage, center of your parenting, center of your schooling, center of your work, center of your neighborhood, center of whatever you do. He wants to be in the middle of it. But somehow, over time, I'm just watching in America, and I know it's happening elsewhere, God is no longer in the middle. We've replaced it. 
And the thing I've noticed, I'll just say since probably 80s, 90s, and beyond, a lot of people have replaced the God in the middle with family. And everything in their life is scheduled around family. Now, isn't family important? Yes, it is. God's word would support that wholeheartedly. But it is never to be the center. God is to be the center. It was evident in Abel in his response to God's divine persuasion. And that list of Hebrews 11, constantly. And now for you and me. And I'll tell you, when I, I prepared for this, I kept preparing, and I'm like, oh, man, oh, all too many times, I, I don't have him in the middle. I don't consult him first when I have something going on. Can you imagine what it would be like for you and for me and for us as a church if God was always in the center of what we do? I think it would be radical. I think there'd be some risk-taking going on more than we are. And I think this idea of sacrificial loving would become even more evident. But we battle and struggle just like Cain. And the third one, a call to be vocal and vibrant. Make a joyful noise. And I'll just say, in a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing. I want to challenge you to make a joyful noise. Sing like God has divinely persuaded you that he loves you. Sing like nobody's around. You know what that's like, right? Don't be so self-conscious. Let your praise be directed to God who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then the last slide, I just want to put this. God's ultimate divine persuasion is Jesus. Just consider him who knew no sin yet became sin for us and then he died on a cross so that we can have life forever. May that cause our heart to be stronger to be radical and risk-taking and sacrificially loving in our worship to him. Amen. Please stand as I share with you the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love.
You're not left out, you're wanted, you're irreplaceable, with your shining soul, love has spoken, you are chosen. Never mind at all. You are the one inside, always in control.
wherever this camera is 